It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another season of Knox Talk. Today is Friday, March the 12th. My name is Paul Sickman from Knox Sports Marketing here in beautiful Tampa, Florida. My co-host, as always, is Brandon Parks from the University of Tennessee and the Ball Network. Hello, Brandon. Paul, after a long winter break, I'm glad to be back on Knox Talk with you. It's been too long. It's awesome to be back doing this again, and what a time to do it. Today, we're going to talk about the NCAA tournament and what makes March Madness so absolutely incredible. I'm excited about this one. This one's this one's going to be a lot of fun. This is a great time of year, uh, and it's it's fascinating because the the March Madness and the NCAA tournament fall at a unique time in the sports calendar, where we've had the conclusion of the football season. Um, you're in spring training in baseball. The regular season in hockey is in play, but all eyes are on the NCAA basketball tournament, and it really steals the stage. And so I'm excited to dig in and talk about what makes this tournament so great. And I, I, you know, the first thing that comes to mind when someone asks me that question is the fact that everyone can win. It, I mean, it, the NCAA is set up so unusually. I mean, we can talk about how football, maybe there's only, people say there's 10 to 15 teams that can win it. But the reality is, is that the Power Five, anyone in the Power Five in a magic year, I suppose, could win it. But basketball and, and baseball, to that extent, are different because 350 teams this year in Division One start out the year knowing that they all have a legitimate chance to compete for the national championship. I think if you're a, you know, if you're a group of five team, you know, in this, the season starts, you don't really in your heart of hearts know that you have any chance to compete. You're, you're not going to get a, a 16 seed to play a one at the end of the year. But there are 350 teams that have a chance when this season began to be where we are next week, which is having a chance to win it all if you have a magic run. And, and it is – I mean, I'm going to tell you, you say that like it's, oh, Paul, it's not possible. But we know it is. George Mason, uh, VCU, Loyola, Chicago two years ago, I mean, or three years ago. These are all schools that were, you know, 11 to 16 seeds that went all the way to the Final Four, that, that had a magic four-game run and had a chance to win it all. And, and you know, think about teams that, that maybe weren't even those type of schools. Butler, Villanova, uh, they, both, yeah. they both got there. NC State won it as a six. And LSU in uh, 1986 beat a one, beat a two, and beat a three seed to go to the final yeah. four, and I think they were an eight or nine seed that year. So, so, uh, they, they were actually, they were actually, you hit it a second ago. LSU in '86 was an 11 seed. They became that. the they became the first 11 seed to reach the final four. But just to show you the parity in college basketball. Uh, I think we now have five different teams that have reached the final four as an 11 seed. Huh. Interestingly enough, four of those teams have reached it since 2006. That's awesome. So LSU, LSU did it in 86. Uh, oh, we can't forget about Loyola Marymount who did it in 90. Mm -hmm. uh, but you've had, but then that leaves three other teams that had advanced all the way to the final four. And you probably can't forget about Davidson and Steph Curry in 2008. They were Turns out he was okay, huh? Yeah, he turned, yeah, yeah. He seems to have uh, found a way to make ends meet. <laughs> uh, and, and so the Cinderella stories, actually more recently, 
have have probably been as as accomplished as any Cinderella stories in the history of the tournament. And practically, there's almost a Cinderella story each each tournament. And it's not just a Cinderella that wins their first game and exits in the round of 32. You're talking about Cinderellas that advance all the way to an elite eight or final four. Right. Um, and, it, and, you know, in some cases we've had, we've had some of these Cinderellas uh, that have gone on to win the national championship. Um, I think you mentioned, um, NC State. I think it may have been NC state and then maybe uh, was it Villanova maybe. Yeah, Villanova is an eight, which was, you know, that, that was the miracle game where, you know, they shot like 70 plus percent to beat Georgetown. I mean, that was stupid. Uh, I mean, Butler came within a, a bucket of winning it all at home, essentially in Indianapolis against Duke. And they were, um, it's that's what it's just that's you asked the, the basic question what makes it special that that is that yeah. you have, if you're a fan of a school uh, right now you're a you're a Drake uh, student and you're watching their school who's 24 or 25 and two right now they have a chance to play Baylor and beat them yeah. and keep going and it's just it's and you don't that's you know other than baseball I'm not sure there's another sport out there uh, that doesn't like the tournament and baseball doesn't have the Baseball doesn't have the bandwidth that basketball does. But, I mean, think about, I mean, in baseball's case, you had a, a, a bottom 12 seed in Virginia won the entire thing, you know, four or five years ago. And then you had Stony Brook, uh, which was, no one's ever even heard of them, uh, coming off of Long Island that, that went all the way uh, to the College World Series. So that's what makes baseball, and especially basketball, because of the, the relative popularity. That's what makes it so special is all the things you just said, Brandon. After all this talk about Cinderella's, I, I think, again, the second thing to me that makes basketball and the tournament so special is, and I know people are going to argue with this, but, but the regular season is really a four-and-a-half-month kind of slog to determine two things. A, are you going to make it in? And B, what is your seed? Because you lose a game in November, you lose a couple in December, you go on a bad run and conference season starts. At the end of the day, if you get in and you get a seed – you start over, and so what makes the tournament so special is it is for everything. You know, you, you lose a game, and it's over, of course, but, you know, everything else that happened before then doesn't matter. That four- to six-game run is everything. Yeah, and, you know, in college football, it almost feels like in today's world that each week is a playoff game in the regular season. It's right. sort of one and done as far as conference championships um, – national championships, those kinds of things. Basketball is so different because you can't afford to falter to some extent during the regular season and still have all your hopes and dreams in front of you and hit the reset button when you get to tournament time. But but what does tournament time do? It amps up that pressure because it truly is the one-and-done format. And, yeah, and it's this week. I mean, this week, conference tournaments where you have schools that might go you know, 29-1 and one during the regular season and they get to their conference tournament – and they're the number one seed by a long shot, and then they lose in the conference final, and they don't go anywhere. Yeah, it's uh, hopes and dreams uh, are this week. And, so, you know, dreams come true, and then hopes can be dashed uh, with this week. Um, now, and as we go into next week, when the tournament actually tips off, I think one of the things that makes it so special and so different than all of the other playoffs that occur across all sports is you hit on this earlier, there are 68 teams that are participating. We have no other sport that has that volume of teams that I'm aware of. Um, I don't even think college baseball comes close to the 68 number. Is baseball that correct? 64. 64. Okay, so 68. 
And then that first weekend, part of what makes it so spectacular, you have 48 games that are played over the course of four days. And with the energy and excitement of each game and each session that occurs, you can be flipping back and forth between three or four channels watching the ending of three or four great games. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, that's, that's so the, different. That's a TV product, which is a great TV product, right? And they now have understood it where they don't pay, they don't tip them off at the same time. They've got eight-minute, 12-minute increments so that you can have those endings that you can go back and forth to. So that makes it yeah. a perfect TV product. But even and, – and, Brandon, I don't know if you've been able to do this. I've been able to go to probably you know 10 to 15 – um, yeah, sessions, uh, NCAA sessions. I've gone to two or three Final Fours now, and the atmosphere there is awesome as well. And it doesn't matter if you have no one to root for. Let's say you're just there, you get sucked into it, man. You are, <laughs> you are rooting for the, the the twelve over the five. You are rooting for the eleven over the six. You are all in. Uh, and, and so, if there is a close game, the underdog instantly becomes the crowd. It's just so much fun the atmosphere at NCAA games because it's for all the marbles and because it's a winner go home. Well, and as a fan, you are engaged and you actually have skin in the game if you've filled out your bracket. Right. And while while you may be cheering for Florida State or I may be cheering for Tennessee, I've made 32 other picks that first week and I immediately become a fan of each of those teams because I want to watch my bracket continue to advance. Um, and there's nothing else like that out there. Well, uh, that, that, that's the next point I wrote down, Brandon, was talking about maybe some of the marketing implications of the tournament. And, and one of the things that, whether it's scary, it doesn't matter. It's real. I mean, we're seeing it now, how much money uh, these gambling sites are paying to programs to pro teams uh, for the rights to be their official and to have access to those fan bases, et cetera, et cetera. Well, just fast, fast forward the tournament two or three years. And when the NCAA has an official gambling home and this bracket becomes the bracket that when you fill out that bracket, the money behind it is astronomical and legal. <laughs> Holy yeah. smokes. Yeah, it only ramps up the 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 fandom, the intensity, the following. Uh, it only ramps up all of that because, again, you as an individual, you have a team, but you've got skin in the game across the entire tournament. Um, it's 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 fascinating from that perspective, and then I I really like how um, you have random groupings of teams, and so going into the tournament, even even with the Joe Lenardi's of the world who, who do their best each week to project out what the tournament's going to be like, where, what regions your teams will be in. You don't know till that final day. And it's truly a cross section of the country. Um, and so you have these random groupings. And then sometimes I think they do things unique um, to have a former coach have to play his old team, uh, you know, and, and so unique stories like that uh, that are developed around it that become, become almost interesting subplots, if you will. Um, and this year is a little bit odd, but normally you can even add in where, right? I mean, how many times yeah. have we just beat our head against the wall as and watched Duke and Carolina uh, get to play in Charlotte or Greensboro until they get to the they get to the Final Four? I mean, and you just you go crazy that this stuff happens year after year. Well, they're, they're the number one seeds, but it, it, you see it, it. You know, hey, they're playing here, and they, you know, and that, so that's all kind of gone out the wayside this year because the entire world's in Indianapolis, so. Uh, you either can play in Indy or not. So I imagine Purdue, who's probably going to get in, has got a little bit of, a, of an edge in that they get to uh, they get to walk to their home games um, this year. They'll probably put them – I think, you know, the basketball guys will probably make them play 
uh, in, in, in Bloomington, just to, just to make it fair, right? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I've got, so I've got an interesting fact for you. Um, at the end of the tournament, CBS has historically had the one shining moment video from the tournament. Mm -hmm. First aired in 1987. Okay. And it's got to be one of the greatest closings and actually consistent and a traditional closing that everyone looks forward to to see. CBS originally scheduled one shining moment to run after Super Bowl twenty one. But the game ran long. Giants Giants defeated the Broncos 39-20, to 20, and they were going to do one shining moment for the Giants. But because the game ran long, they had to cut out. Well, they parked it for a month, and then when March Madness came, they ran it in March Madness in 1987, and, and now it's, it's obviously a staple. But that was originally developed for the Super Bowl. The greatest non-decision ever. Unbelievable. Um, some things just work out that way. Um, and, and, and I, did, I did a little bit more research. Um, March Madness, uh, I was interested, where did that come from? Who coined the phrase? Um, it was actually an Illinois high school coach. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Illinois high school official, Henry Porter, in 1939, coined the phrase March Madness. However, never trademarked. you did not, you, you know, he never trademarked it, and you never heard it fully associated with the tournament until um, a famed broadcaster, Brent Musburger, uh, covered it uh, and used it in 1982. So who owns uh, it today? Um, the NCAA? I'm assuming the NCAA, yeah. So, yeah, and, so, and I think, well, that goes, back, that goes back to the sponsorship world because the only companies allowed to use the phrase March Madness are the NCAA corporate partners who buy into the corporate partner program associated with the basketball tournament. So does this explain why Musburger like all of a sudden was able to buy a gigantic ranch in Montana? Possibly so. Hmm. Possibly so. So the other thing that, you know, from a marketing perspective that I think makes this, this unique, uh, you know, we, all of us in our business have bought or sold on-site activation. We all love telling people that if you set up a table or you set up a booth or you give away your tchotchkes, it's, it, you know, you have an interactive game, all those things, uh, it, it's, you know, it's going to work. However, I will tell you that nothing does better than the on-site activation around the NCAA tournament. It, it is just, you have got four rabid fan bases in whatever city that, that you're set up in. You've got another three quarters of the audience that just love the game and are just there and everyone's happy. And there is downtime. There is downtime between games. Everyone is walking around. Everyone is active. They've usually got the entire uh, sponsorship world set up at a uh, at another venue very close to the, the building, if not in the building. And the, the amount of, of data that comes back because people are more than willing to give and, and all on-site activation of the NCAA tournament is, is oh, holy smokes, is it great, which is another reason why the NCAA was able to pay out so much money and why when they lost this thing last year, all the schools cried. Yeah, I was at the, uh, the 2019 Final Four in Minneapolis. Uh, Virginia ended up uh, winning the national championship. It was my first Final Four experience and my first experience with basketball inside of, of a football facility because they played it inside of the Vikings football stadium. Mm -hmm. And I, when I went up to the event, my first thought was, how is this going to look and feel inside of a football facility where you're playing a game on a 94-foot court? 
And if your seats are far away, which mine happen to be far away, do you feel disconnected from the event? And I'm going to tell you, I, th I think you know that the, the atmosphere around a Final Four, you cannot replicate that anywhere else. It's just different. And and I did not feel disengaged. I felt very much a part of the event. Um, and, and you're exactly right. The the activation around that event has to be similar to, say, the uh, the Super Bowl Fan Fest, uh, pregame Fan Fest that they execute before the Super Bowls. And, and you're exactly right. If Depending upon where the teams come from in the country, the, the data that can be collected at that event from cross-sections of the United States uh, as sports fans um, is, is, is becomes very valuable. Um, but it, it was a tremendous, tremendous experience. Uh, probably the only thing I, that I, I would say it was comparable to, to me, was attending the SEC football championship game, um, where in that game you've got two – two teams and the facility is literally split 50 50 um and in and in, in the ncaa final four it feels like it truly is spilt split 25 percent evenly across each of the teams uh but um it's got to be if you're a sports fan a final four has to be a bucket list type event no yeah. question about it yeah i've been to a couple and, and they're always awesome indianapolis which is where it is this year um, is as good a venue as there is in the country for this. Number one, because the dome is so uniquely situated to handle basketball, you don't feel like you're forever away, even if you're a high. Uh, and secondly, everything is walkable, and everything downtown is walkable, and so all the different things you can do with the fan bases, et cetera, et cetera, are just so incredible. And I think that's why I love the College World Series, too, because you've got eight teams there, but the fan bases, everyone loves it. You have to go on short notice, so the fans that come are usually wonderful fans and very engaged fans. Uh, and, and the Final Four is certainly all those things. So you're right, Brandon. It's just it is it is a special thing for activation. The, the other thing that that you know, with the question was you know what else can local schools do when your team has a run? Let's say that your team, uh, let's say you're a traditional football school, Tennessee. You're you know, and and you've got a basketball team that is is in it. And, and, you know, there are one of the things that we've been able to do over the years that uh, I think has, has worked out very, very well is being able to take advantage of that through the other sports. What I say that is, let's say that uh, uh, you're a Michigan State uh, fan and your team is in the tournament, which this year they're going to they made their way back in. Find a way from a sponsorship perspective to have that massive watch party uh, from a hospitality uh, relationship uh, place and then bring in your football coach to host it. You know, bring in your football staff to host it. Bring in your baseball staff. Whatever it is, get the other sports around to help host that incredible basketball event where everyone is drinking the Kool-Aid, wearing the colors and having a blast, and use that as a hospitality win because it's just such an incredible opportunity uh, to, to do that. And, it's, and you can take advantage of the other sports who are, I mean, clearly they're fans um, at that point, uh, and do something special. Have you ever done that at Tennessee, Brandon? We we have not done a watch party, although it is on it is on the docket for future consideration. Um, and, and I do think it becomes a reality. And, and basketball is a, a good example of something that's different in football. If your football team is competing in the uh, in the playoff system, you're going to have thirty thousand, forty thousand fans that are going to be at the away game site. So you're going to have a large following that are there. I think one thing that's fascinating with the NCAA tournament is it is very difficult to get tickets. And typically the size of the, of the fan base that's actually at the event site usually is in the few thousand. Yeah. So you have, you have this large assortment of fans that are back in the hometown 
and they're either at uh, the local bar and restaurants watching it or they're at home hosting parties. And you're right, it creates a real opportunity to, to host an event, whether you do it in your arena or you do it in an outdoor space or, or on campus in, in some location, one, to show the game, but then also it's, I think it's a great cross-marketing point that you make. Maybe you take a sport or a coach where you feel like you need to build some enthusiasm and some team spirit around, and you engage them to be involved in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's coming um, futuristically, no question. Um, well, you nailed it. I mean, here's the thing about this is baseball and basketball. I know baseball is a much smaller sport, uh, but but it, the basketball situation, we're going to find out Sunday uh, where these teams are, are in a traditional year. Forget about this year. We all know we're going to Indianapolis. But in, in a traditional normal year, you find out on a Sunday where you're playing at what time, Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday. As a fan, let's say that you're a miracle fan and you have an opportunity to get tickets or you're willing to spend any amount of money uh, on, on a, on a third-party site to get tickets. doesn't matter. You find out on Sunday night at 7 o'clock at night where you're going, and then you have to book a flight to that place and take a chance and say, okay, I'm going to book a flight to get me there on Thursday morning, and I'm going to stay till Sunday night. So you got to get a flight, hotel, and game tickets in 24 hours. That's a big number. And, That's outrageous. And if you're, right. And if you're a really big fan, let's say that you're on the run and your team wins two and you want to go to the next round. Again, same scenario. You find out Sunday night, you book hotel tickets for a ramped up situation for the next week. And the final four is the exact same situation. So whether you choose to go to one, all three places, it doesn't matter. The fans that are, it's just a very small percentage of people who can afford to do any of those things, much less all of them. So, yeah, the people who are watching and engaging, the vast, vast majority of people are jumping on this train from home. And so it is a real real opportunity for local schools to take advantage. And it doesn't matter if it's one game. It could be, you know, if it's one game or four games or six games, those are all opportunities to to do something with your clients that are unique. And and I'm going to tell you, if you get invited to a, on-campus function with the head hosted by the head football coach to go watch a tournament game yes sir yeah. i'm in yeah yeah <laughs> you're just you're creating uh additional events on your campus um and and certainly in in the world we live in today creating those new opportunities outside the game of play uh, that can potentially be monetized and can potentially be utilized for sponsorships. Uh, we're all after those kinds of opportunities and experiential is such a big buzzword in our world now. Um, and, and we have to continue to continue to add to the portfolio of experiential opportunities where our fans can feel as engaged uh, and more engaged on a, on a go forward basis. Mm-hmm. So the tournament is coming. It's happening. Uh, it's happening. It's this, this is a Friday. We're going to find out in two days who's going and where. And then uh, four or five days later, it's off to the races. I, I you know, I'll, I'll finish with a partly personal story. When uh, when my wife and I decided that uh, two kids was enough, uh, and uh, she and told me that I was going to take care of that issue. Uh, and told. <laughs> I, I, I will tell you that the day that I picked was the Wednesday before the madness began because. I could sit down with 12 to 24 hours of basketball in front of me, and uh, and if, if you're going to pick a day, men, I'm going to tell you there's not a better day out there than to go noon to midnight in that situation. I, I did. I, I, when I was doing my research for our, our podcast today, I, uh, I ran across that fact. Uh, that procedure specifically in the medical world jumps by 30% around the uh, the opening of the NCAA basketball tournament. 
<laughs> we might want to finish there before we're both in trouble. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so, folks, for Brandon Parks, I'm Paul Sickman with Knox Sports. Thank you for listening to another edition of Knox Talk. We'll be back next week with a special guest and a brand new topic. Take care, everybody. Thank you.